0: Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Before we dive into today's episode, would you mind leaving us a review? By leaving a review and rating, it helps others to find us and is a tremendous help. Using your favorite podcast platform, go to our show, and leave a rating along with a review. And perhaps next week, we will mention you on the show.
1: Now, on to our episode. There are certain sacrifices to gain, I guess, certain rewards. And those rewards feel good. They sound good. But those Emmys basically are in the basement in a closet. They're never going to satisfy me. In my, my weakest moments, they're not going to speak to me. They're not going to give me strength not really not going to do anything. The only person that's going to do that is Jesus mm. and the Holy Spirit and the Father. His father is a gold medal Olympian and
0: NBA All-Star. He is married to the woman of his dreams, has three beautiful children, and enjoys a successful career in film. He's worked with some of the greatest media innovators of our time and has seven Emmy awards under his belt. Matt Lucas has lived an incredible life filled with awe-inspiring highs, but he's also endured heartbreaking lows. Through it all, his faith in Christ has grown, and his testimony overflows with love and faith and gratitude and passion. As a quick aside, we are blessed to have Matt working on our live Sunday services from Church of the Apostles. It's where I met Matt and began to glean bits and pieces of his incredible story people constantly say, this is Matt Lucas. You have got to hear his testimony. When Matt isn't at Church of the Apostles on Sundays, he's the VFX lead at Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. Do not miss a minute of today's conversation with Matt and get ready for part two, a powerful episode where you will witness God ministering powerfully through Matt in his deepest valley. Now. Onto our candid conversation. Well, it is uh, a privilege to have my friend, Matt Lucas. Matt, thank you for joining us on Candid Conversations. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Matt, I wonder if you could just talk to us a little bit about your upbringing, your childhood, uh, on into your life as we get closer to sort of marriage and career and yeah. that sort of uh, direction.
1: Um, grew up in a, a Christian home, but divorce you know came around when i was about 13 so was living with my mom it's kind of crazy because a lot of people don't know this but i was adopted by Jerry Lucas the basketball player when i was about 16 years old wow. which was a huge influence on my life you know mm-hmm. he had just finished his career with the New York Knicks just become a christian and was on fire for the lord and at that time i was a sponge and so I've told my dad, I've eaten the best fruit mm. that you've produced in your mm. life. Mm. My stepmom was a Christian artist. So I had the beauty of that as well, of listening to her write music and, yeah. and pour into me as well. Yeah, um, I don't know why they chose me but I'm sure glad they did.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What do they say? The kids who are adopted say, uh, your parents didn't have a choice with you, but my parents chose me. Uh, It's sort of that picture of, of even uh, of our election and the way that God has chosen us out. It's a beautifully rich picture. Okay. So having those step parents, have they, in a sense, um, they've laid that sort of creative foundation that you live out today.
1: Yeah, very much. So my biological father's passed away. He was also a Christian but he was, I mean, oh, I used to tell him, I said, man, you beat people to Jesus, you know. <laughs> he was a little bit more of a zealot, you know, he was a little rough around the edges. Yeah. I, I will say that I, I admired Papa Lou, as the kids call him. My biological mom was always a, a, a good influence on me, a great worth of ethic. Mm. Um, she had a, a more than a rough childhood. Yeah, But God's grace has come in and flooded the latter part of her life mm-hmm. and so i mean i've been really been blessed as much as some people would say there's chaos here and there's this there um i have been well taken care of spiritually as a young person yeah i mean very much so And into. It,
0: what did that look like i mean uh s-
1: stable sort of church life oh growing yeah up Because I was a good basketball player, the school I went to paid for my tuition (laughs) in high school, which I don't think they're supposed to do. But it was a Christian school. And so, yeah, I was very involved in the youth and Christian coaches and stuff like that and and just godly teachers. And it's just like you you don't realize the impact that's going to have on your life until, Mm -hmm. you know, you're 57 years old and you look back and you're like, how was I so lucky that these people, I, I caught these people at certain times in their life you know, and they poured into me, but at the same time, I've looked back and I'm, I'm grateful that I was open.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah you know, and then I wasn't hard. Mm. I really wasn't, man. I just, and maybe the divorce caused that. Maybe the divorce had broken me some mm. and that uh, I was ready to, uh, to accept. There was a thing that happened. We had an elementary school in a, in a junior high, high school, and they were on two different campuses and the church was on the elementary school and these two older guys were seniors the Seamus brothers they were on the basketball team you know very well known they were very well known in the bay area they were really good basketball players yeah. and at a chapel they had turned their lives over to Christ you know wow. and so we all saw this we saw yeah. them go down and and then pray for them and then 2 days later they're like we want to be baptized And so they took the whole junior high and high school and we all went down. We walked, which was like, I mean, it was like a mile. We walked to the church and they baptized these two guys. And I'm telling you, it changed me because I'd seen the two days before that where they had given their lives. I'm like, oh, this is real. Yeah, This is not fake, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's why it's I mean, it is important to lead. It's important to be responsible for what God's given you. Yeah, and even though they were seniors in high school, to this day yeah. I still look Kids back. Remember it, yeah, I yeah. look back at that, that and I say that's the first stake that I put down with God. Yeah, and they're involved in it, whether they realize it or not.
0: Yeah. Even a a, a visual thing like that, right? It, it leaves such an indelible mark on a young person. I think there's so much power in baptism in that you're seeing that visual representation of that, you know, dying with Christ and being raised Mm -hmm. to new life. Okay. So growing up and then, and then you move, you go and you play basketball in college. Yeah, I
1: I got a scholarship to play basketball at Ohio state. um, So I was pretty excited about that. I probably shouldn't have gone there. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I I mean, you you take a, a kid who's been in a Christian school since elementary school. And, you know, I grew up in a bubble. Yeah. You know, I went to chapels, once a week, I had Bible classes, and and I really didn't know anything about the world. You know, like, I mean, like the things that were like happening on our campus, like, man, somebody smoked a cigarette, and it was like the end. Of that the was world. the worst. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, alcohol and drugs and the other things were it was very uncommon. Right. You know, and um, the first week I was at Ohio State, a guy on my floor committed suicide. <sighs> jumped out of the building, jumped off the top of the roof. I mean, I was like, "What man, this is like what this is this is different. Place? <laughs> what is this? Like this, you know, it was it was completely different. Wow. And wow. and, you know, as an athlete, you know, you're taken to parties and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I just went with the guys. I didn't know any better. Sure. You know, I knew better, but I just went. Right. And, you know, I saw things that I was like, this is crazy. These people are nuts. And the hard part was the people who were Christians they were just as nuts the other way they were on like soapboxes and they were they were pointing people out and calling them out and saying they're going to hell and they're and I was just like I was so confused. Yeah. I'm like wait I believe what they're saying but they're but not the way they're saying yeah, it. Not the way they're saying it. It's <laughs> like do you even know this person? Yeah. And so I didn't even make it through the full year, so my parents came to visit me. I want to say around Thanksgiving, and my stepmom wept. And I remember her whispering to my dad, "What have we done?" Oh, wow. And I was like, "And you're a long way from home." From yeah. God's oh, place. yeah. At this point, my senior year, we moved to New Orleans. Oh, wow. Or New Orleans, yeah, you know, <laughs> as they say there, which was a culture shock too. Um, and we moved there because of a church we were living there at the time and they, you know, obviously they're in new Orleans, you know, when you're adopted like this, when you, when you go from a broken home where, you know, your mom's working two jobs, you're not really seeing her. There's not a whole lot of family structure. Um, there's not a lot of accountability. You know, my mom's thing was, you know, be home by breakfast. You know, it's like, <laughs> luckily I wasn't that kid yeah, sure. that took yeah. advantage yeah. of that. Bar, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was, I was more into athletics. So I really didn't, I didn't need that. But, um, the desire and how much I missed, like having those few years that we had, I was part of a family unit Mm. and I had a dad that was telling me like, uh, uh, that does not fly. Yeah. And it was amazing because he said, that's not who we are. Mm. Like all of a sudden, Oh Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm like, Oh, I mean, I'm included in this. And, And to be honest with you, my siblings through adoption have been amazing to me. Like you would never know as far as like the love that is between us. You would never know that the same blood is not running in our veins. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I think it does. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, so at some point I just called my dad. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm like, if I stay here for four years, I will become what these people are. Yeah. I wasn't strong enough. I mean, I, sh- I just be honest. Sure. I, I was a really good basketball player. I was six, 215 pounds. Um, so I was probably 40 pounds heavier or bigger than most of the guards. So I was a lot stronger. I was like, I was a little bit more of the new guard coming in. Yeah. Whereas most of the guards on our team were like, you know, they, they were like six, three, six, four, but they weighed 180 pounds.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was easy for me to maneuver them, push them around, set picks on them for other guys to get easy shots and, and I could jump out of the gym, you know? But the fact was, it's like, I knew like, I, I, I can't be here. Yeah. So I went home Yeah. and my brothers still asked me, they're like, did you make a mistake? And it's like, you know, because there are advantages of going to a big school like that, following through for four years and so-called doors being opened up for you because you are an athlete. Um, and, I saw plenty of it there when I was there for the six months I was there, believe me. Yeah. Being the son of Jerry Lucas at Ohio State was. I called a cab because I was hungry one night because this guy told me he was at this restaurant. It was on the other side of Columbus. He's like, you know, Matt, if you're ever hungry, I know you guys get hungry at night and they cut, shut down the cafeteria. Yeah. Just call a cab and, you know, I'll feed you. <laughs> I was like, I was starving. So I just called, I called the cab. And I had enough money to get there and back, and that's all I had. I didn't have any money for food. You know, I was counting on this guy really. Yeah. <laughs> and so they guy picks me up, you know, downstairs, and um, I get in the cab, and he said, "Are you, you Jerry Lucas's son?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "My boss wants to talk to you." I was like, "Okay." You know, so he's got him on the radio. He said, "We love your dad. We love what he's done for this. And if you want to go anywhere." we'll drive you anywhere. And I was like, I was like, no, that's okay. You know, (laughs) we don't, you don't need to do that. And to be honest with you, I did take advantage of it and they picked me up all the time and they got a big kick out of it, you know, because my dad was, I mean, he was a legend there and I needed to go home for, I mean, for Christmas, I think it was Christmas. I wanted to, we were going to have Christmas at granny's house and Mm. that was in Middletown, Ohio, which was like a couple hours South of of Columbus. And, I called him, I was like, Man, that's a big favor. Like, where do you need to go? You need to go you need to go back to Horn Middletown, don't you? I was like, Yeah. He goes, We'll, we'll drive you down. Don't worry about it. Wow. I mean, so there yeah. there were yeah. like in some ways there were great things that I could take advantage of, you know, and I, I really didn't try to, you know. I Right. But the fact is You weren't abusing the system. No. But at the same time I was like I was dying spiritually. Mm in this, there was, I, I couldn't find anybody. And I imagine there were people there, but it's like, I couldn't find anybody that, you know, I so needed to attach myself to some other Christians. Yeah, And, um, I just you'd, you'd uh, cut off your spiritual supply lines. Yeah. And so it was, yeah. I, I made that decision. I just called my dad. I'm like, I'm coming home. And the funny thing was, is like, I was so worried about, you know, him being disappointed. You know, of course, the papers are writing yeah. all kinds of stuff, you yeah. know, and yeah. I'm just like, and my dad was so gracious about the whole thing. Mm. He's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We're moving forward from here.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, uh, at that point, my sister had gotten a scholarship to play basketball or Robert. So I switched over to there wow i saw all three julie my brother jeff and myself were all there at the same time which is pretty crazy wow yeah yeah
0: okay so college you're now sort of reestablished with family uh, in a christian community so what are sort of next steps from there in your in your life
1: we moved to hawaii for about a year everywhere yeah (laughs) Which South was, East, West. I, I will say, was amazing. My dad, because he, you know, after he retired from the NBA and he's a memory expert, and he was very involved with education, still is. And, um, you know, he was like, you know, if I want to write books, why not write them in, in Hawaii? So while we were at college, they moved to Hawaii with my younger brother and sister, uh, JJ and Kanan. And, um, but we got to go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas to Hawaii. It was terrible, you know? Um, and Suffering. then that's, Oh yeah. And then that summer, I mean, we did the same thing every day. My brother and I would wake up at say five thirty. we'd make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we took our boogie boards and went to the beach and didn't come back till six or seven o'clock every night. I didn't think I was ever going to work a day <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Who needs Oral Roberts yeah. at this
0: point, right?
1: <laughs> um, but my dad was wanting to start a television show, a kid's television show with his memory stuff. And uh, Atlanta seemed to be the place. We were either going to go to New York with Jim Henson yeah. or, you know, he thought Turner would be a good option. So we moved here to Atlanta. And from there, we ended up going to Chapel Hill, which is like a whole nother story. But that the wonderful thing about Chapel Hill was I met my wife there. Yeah, I knew her sister. I knew her mom really well. I've known them for years at Chapel Hill but I had no, I I didn't know about Rhonda. Right. And so Rhonda had to go to church with her mom that Sunday and Ron's mom had to sit on the front row. So Rhonda had to sit on the front row and I was running camera and I wouldn't take the camera off her. And the director was in the back like, Hey, that's great. We've seen that shot. And it was so obvious (laughs) at one point, uh, the pastor was like, Matt over here. I want to talk to this cam your camera. I still had it on her. And um, I don't know. It was one of those things, you know, I mean, she was dating somebody else and I asked her if she had a ring on her finger. She said, no. And I said, well, then you're fair game, you know? (laughs) Um, And I just pursued her. Wow. Rhonda's a preacher's kid. Yeah. But her dad, you know, had uh, an affair and Mm. ruined the marriage and ruined the ministry. And that's a, it's a long story, but, her mom was this intercessor. Mm. And when I started dating Rhonda, Rhonda's mom would come home after work every day and take a shower, and you would hear her crying out to God. Wow. I was like, Who is this lady? Yeah. Like it moved me. Yeah. Obviously, I was in love with Rhonda because she was just gorgeous, you know, but there was this other side to her too. Mm. Because what was in her mom was in her, mm. Mm. you know, and so, uh, yeah, I pursued her until I could get a ring on her finger and, then, <laughs> and, and let her know that, you know, that I wanted to live this life with her,
0: yeah,
1: you know, and that, um, so important, <laughs> so important that you find somebody who's walking the same path with you. Yeah. you you can't drag somebody else along with you, and mm-hmm. and or say, well, you know, he or she, you know, has been coming to church with me. You know, some people say, well, that sounds like spiritual snobbery, but it's no. I mean, the thing was, Ron and I were running at the same pace, yeah. and so when we did run into bumps in the road, which every relationship's going to have, sure. it's like forgiveness is the first thing that you jump to. You know, and, and prayer is the first thing and, and there's just a different kind of love. Yeah. There just is.
0: Yeah.
1: From there, we got married and I was going to do this television show with my dad, but that seemed to kind of fall apart. And then I got hired by, uh, Dr. Walker to work for his television ministry. Right. We were a bunch of young kids that he had in his television department right. and he would just pour into us. mm allowed us to be in leadership classes that we were in with all the other pastors. I'm thinking to myself, this stuff's amazing. Why are we here? You know, (laughs) we're just the TV people, roll camera, sound, everything. And he thought it was important that we were in those classes and he kidded around with us. He, he, there were times where, you know, he let us know it was a job and we were to work hard, you know, but there were other times where he, he took us under his wing Mm. And just loved on us, mm. and so it's pretty amazing because the people that have come out of that group are people in this city that have made a difference. Um, mm. Intelligent, so you know it's like, people, where'd you start? I'm like, I, I started, I started in the church, yeah, which was amazing yeah. because it it allowed me to do every I had to do everything, lighting, directing, audio, yeah. There's richness
0: to that, right? Um, you're not just sort of seen as the cog in the wheel, but uh, you're an integral part of a community. And it is it is funny how you've had those little oh, those moments spend, you were just describing about it at all these different phases in your own life growth, but even in your spiritual growth yeah. at the same
1: time. I mean, I really feel right. like sometimes like Lou Gehrig's speech. <laughs> right. I feel like the like, luckiest man. You know? Yeah, I've already yeah. lived... So my, even up to this point, even before getting into my career at Turner, it was like, you know, God, if you don't do anything else, I'm really happy. Yeah. I'm really yeah. happy with the people that you've put in my life. I'm really happy with, um, you know, the path that you've taken me down, the direction. And and I'm so grateful for the love that you've shown me. And I didn't deserve any of these things or any of these people to, be, to have an influence on me. Yeah. I'm guessing
0: fatherhood and, and then
1: career things are coming. Yeah, future. I worked. Fronda was pregnant and was due like in January and they had to let us go in December. Kind of one of those things like they ran out of money. It was a, a tough period during the economy and, um, but God was still faithful. I was with Carl Horseman down at a post-production facility and was helping him finish up some work there and, this guy heard that I just lost my job, and he's like, "Hey, I just left this job. Call them; they'll hire you today." And so I did. I called them; they hired me. So I literally <laughs> went from one to the next, from one yeah. to the next. And you know, I mean, when you're when you're a young father, and you're like, "Oh, we're about to not have this income or insurance yeah. and these other things," you know, it's, it definitely was. It was just another opportunity for God to be faithful and. I was there for maybe, I think almost a year at, it was called Primerica Financial Services. And I, mm-hmm. I made a lot of good friends there. In fact, a lot of those people ended up working at Turner where I went next. So within a year, there was an opening at Turner Broadcasting, yeah. uh, that Carl Horseman had opened it up for me. And, um, I jumped at it and I wanted to work for the source, mm-hmm. like the, who's creating the most work in town? And at that time, Turner was. Yeah. And so I wanted to work there. Um, it was a very small group yeah. of people. The staff was still very small, Dan darling was the the president yeah. uh, at that time um, but the post facility only had maybe five or six edit suites. It was like a family, Dan Ted oh, Turner, yeah Ted, I mean, Turner I, yeah. And, uh, Ted still handful. lived in the building, yeah, yeah, and would come down, you'd be editing, and he would come down, especially the night shift if he worked the night shift, he'd come down with his little scotch or whatever he had, you know, <laughs> and he would walk in the room and you'd be like. <gasps> Mr. Turner, you know, he'd be like, Oh, don't worry about me guys. Are you guys all right? Is there be, you know, are you being taken care of them? Are, are they taking care of you? And <laughs> you're you're like, yeah. And he'd sit down and talk and laugh. And, and, uh, so yeah, it was like this, and it's before human resources. And so, yeah, it was very much, he ran the company very lean and just like lean and mean. Yeah. It's like, let's get the work done. Yeah. We, don't have as many people as most people as networks have, but we, we do a better job than everybody else. And, um, so it was great training ground. I also had a couple people and everybody needs this, man. You, you need people that will mentor you. Yeah. But a guy, Tony Marshall took me under his wing Mm. and, um, he was a director and I worked on a TV show with him. It was a kid's show called feed your mind and, uh, worked on that for, Four or five years, and I learned a ton from him. Yeah, because I made the transition. I was working with this kids' TV show. People begin to see what kind of talent you have, and sports was sports would see somebody and be like, oh, "We want yank, yeah, <laughs> yeah." And they were starting a new group in sports, and uh, it was called CSSU, and it was basically an agency within sports. So normally they would go outside, hire an agency. It's like, we're going to create an agency. We're going to create a like special forces team here in Turner. Right. And so it was an experiment. Um, it started off with like three or four of us. And, you know, when they had the meeting, I was like, I don't know why. I was just like, I'm in, I want to do this. Yeah. And people are like, you're out of your mind. You know, it's Craig Berry that's heading it up. And I had worked with Craig in the past and, um, it created a, an amazing friendship. Yeah. He gave me a long leash wow. creatively. Yeah. And he, he taught me how to collaborate like nobody's business. Hmm. Like the best part about being in television is collaborate. I'm probably, probably any job yeah. is anytime you can collaborate. You know, it's like you talk, we talk about the Emmys and, and, and winning stuff, you know, awards It's never won by an individual. Yeah. yeah, Never.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't care if you're the guy who goes up there and grabs the Oscar. There is a slew of people that are attached to you. (laughs) That's why they start listing off all the names of people
0: that have helped. Right. Of of names people may not know, but it's like, this is who
1: has helped to create. I remember the first all-star was like his big NBA all-star was his big thing with his guys. Right. And we did this piece called my favorite things. And we crushed it. We just did. I mean, we knew when we were done with it, like this is, there's nothing in sports that's ever been done like this. And so I remember, you know, you're sitting in the truck. It's a couple days before All-Star and you're, he's like, hey, I'm going to bring Lenny Daniels in to watch this. I was like, oh, this is like the litmus test. This is like, you know, whether we're going to be CSSU or we're all going back to what we were doing, you know? And yeah, Lenny came in and watched it and didn't say a word the whole time. And then there were several words that he said that, you know, were him expressing how much he loved it and how he never thought he never knew what CB was talking about, what we could create for sports. Mm -hmm. And he goes, now I get who you guys are. And then soon after that, he brought in some other... People that were, you know, the head of sports and they were just, they were all blown away. And it's like, you know, at that point, you kind of know. I mean, I'd had some experiences like that playing basketball. Like, you know, you're better than everybody when the other coach is yelling your name more than your coach is yelling your name. And it was like one of those moments like, oh, th- this is going to happen. This, this small team of people and, and we work together. Before they kind of, I don't want to say they broke us up, but we worked together for about five years. And, I mean, it was 16 hours a day. Um, Grinding. Yeah. Usually five to six days a week. Yeah. You know, if the NBA called and said they needed something, we did it. Even though there were certain things that, like, uh, it was in the middle of playoffs. And usually, back then, the playoffs was 40 days straight. Every night for 40 days, we we were there. You know, like, These are the people that can do it, right? Yeah, I mean, it, but the the thing is, is that I had put myself with people that were not like minded spiritually yeah. like me, but it was a, it was an opportunity for me to be a testimony, mm. a silent testimony. Most of the time, mm. they're watching, dude. They were watching. They were waiting. They're just like waiting for you to, you know, maybe come to their camp. You know, if they had something, if Charles Barkley said, you know, we're going to go to this bar and we're celebrating such and such, yeah, yeah, I would go and I'd hang out for a little while and I'd be like, I'm out, I'm gone. You know, I wouldn't stay till one or two o'clock in the morning. I'm just like, I'm gone. I'm, I'm, you know, there was one other guy who was a Christian and his name was Brett Langfels You know, because there weren't a whole lot of Christians at, at Turner. There really wasn't. Right. You know, so Brett was a little more would say certain things to them, and I'd be like, dude you and I grew up in the church. So there's certain language that we understand. They have no idea what you're talking about, you know? And so we would work until six o'clock. We'd order food. We'd go work out at the gym. Like Turner has an unbelievable facility. We go work out at the gym. And then at the end, we'd always get in the sauna, you know, and, and we'd be in there for 10 or 15 minutes and we'd chat about things, whether most, sometimes about work, sometimes about family. Well, Brett had gone in there and decided he was going to unleash the gospel on them. And some, I don't even know what manner he did. And then he just came, you know, he walked by me like angry and I'm just going in there just to relax. And they just jump all over me, you know, about God and, you know, and you religious people and da-da-da and, and I don't know how this came out of me. And I was just like, you know, God's a big God and I am not his attorney, but I promise you, if you have any questions, he will answer them. And I just turned around and walked out. And one of the guys later on said something about like, he goes, man, that really kind of, kind of blew me away. He goes, we were, wa- we were kind of waiting for you to be more defensive hmm. about it. And I just, I, I don't know why I said it that way. I think at that point I was just like, I, I really didn't have a defense for them to say, you yeah. know, it's like, so I can tell you about chocolate all day long. Yeah. But until you get it in your mouth and you taste it, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, um, it, so it was a day by day, uh, year by year testimony with these guys. Yeah. And, you know, when people would get sick, you know, as you get older, things start happening. You start having heart failure. people have, some people have heart failure, you know, yeah. a guy shows up to your, to your edit suite is like, man, dude, I just got my test back and it's not good. Mm -hmm. And you're like, will you pray for me? I'm like, Oh man, I'd love to pray for you. Yeah. Do you mind if I lay my hands on you Mm -hmm. and just touch your heart and ask God to heal you? Yeah. It's like you wait for those moments. Yeah. Like, I remember this one time I walked into a graphic suite and, this girl was just ripping. She was ripping Jesus apart. She was ripping God apart. She was just like, and she couldn't see me, but all the other guys could see, they saw me and they were like telling her, like, you know, cut it, stop, you know? And, um, you know, after she finished, I'm like, well, just, you know, I, she was, she was, oh man, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm like, you did, you have not offended me. I said, well, tell me who you really think he is. Cause I really want to know. And she goes, I feel like he's just waiting for me to screw up. And like I'm at the edge of the cliff and he's just waiting to just, you know. Get like, me. Yeah. Push me off. Yeah. And I just begin to tell her, I said, you know, <laughs> that is not who he is. I said, he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He sacrificed everything for you. He says, he'll never leave you and forsake you, that nothing can separate you from him. You know, I I just began to pour out everything that I knew about the love of God on her. And at the end, it's like, and that's who he is. And who you're describing, I don't know who that is because it's not him. Yeah. And then I just kind of slowly just walked out of the room. You know, all of a sudden, when you do that, you have an audience. There were 10 other people in the room that all of a sudden, most likely had never heard the gospel like that ever before and didn't realize that God loved them. Yeah. I said, the reason why he hates sin so much is because he knows the pain and the anguish that it's going to cause you and that, that it, at some point it will kill you. It'll destroy everything about you. And that breaks his heart. That's why he hates sin. Yeah, you know, because of the repercussions that he loves us so much, and what's going to happen to you by you by you uh, by us sinning? I said, I, I'm not doing this any justice. I can't tell you. And I use that's when I use the chocolate yeah. example with her. And yeah. and two days later, she sh- you know, it's never in the group that those conversations. Those conversations end, and then people come to you. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's like, I never heard that message before. I didn't know that's who he was. (laughs) It's like, I wait for those appointments yeah, that I can share the gospel with people and allow God because I'm direct here on Sundays and I, I have cameras, which are like flies on the walls, you know? So I know pretty much everybody in the church and I can tell you the people That show up on Sunday morning Mm. and like something amazing has been going on in their life all week long. And they, as soon as they walk in those doors, they become this well that cannot contain what God has put in them. Mm. And it just begins to flow out of them. And I I don't, sometimes I wonder, man, do the people realize that they are sitting in deep water right now Mm. because of the people that are around them? Mm. And it's been fun because those people I've gotten to know over the last ten years and I've thanked them because they make my job easier, first of all, because they're great shots and yeah. and I tell them like, listen, you you have no idea, but you're ministering, mm. you know, leading the way is is the largest on the planet ministry to the Muslim nations. Mm. And people are watching. And they can hear what Dr. Youssef's saying, and and that word is going out. But when they see your face and your engagement, it's like, why? Why is that person so engaged? What is he saying that is causing them to either shed a tear or for a reaction to take place on their face? And and there are people in this church that do an amazing job of that, you know? Mm I just love them. I love the way we do communion. I know this is kind of going off one other way. I love the way we do communion. I love the fact that people come down, you know, yeah. and are, are, are given anticipate. Yeah. In, I mean, yeah. it's just amazing. And, and one of the other things I just absolutely love, and it, this is where you find out where people are is like yourself or Dr. Youssef will ask, it's like, we're going to break up in groups and we're going to pray for each other. Mm. And at that point, you know we have these cameras that are getting intimate, and you realize like oh i I never thought that person had that depth because whatever they're saying in there is affecting everybody else in that circle, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my part of being a little judgmental, maybe, but it's just it's this wonderful opportunity that most of the time you don't get to do yeah. in a church, it's not in a small group, but it's one of those things that um." I don't know. Do you call it a a personality or part of the church yeah. that has that you just love? It's like they're going to do this. This is we're going to get some of the best shots that we're going to get. We're going to. It's funny because you'll see the the guys in the camera room. You know, you think that they're just they're just camera guys, but they're praying mm. that God would break loose mm. in the service mm. and that that people would be healed and 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 you know we every once in a while sometimes we you know, we have to hire somebody, you know, maybe to run a crane or something like that. And they don't get it. Yeah. They don't get how the spirit's moving and stuff like that. And, or uh, the other thing is they're being ministered to, so they don't even run the camera. You know, they're just like, (laughs) (laughs) they're like you (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. focused on something else. (laughs) Yeah. It just becomes, uh, it's very difficult for them. Mm. Um, and that goes back to this collaboration. It's like, Mm. you know, you, you work with a certain group of people and, and even at Turner, those people were, I mean, like I say, for five years I worked, I know we're going back a little bit, but I worked ridiculous hours. My fact, my kids, this is terrible, you know. And I mean, my kids used to call me Uncle Matt. I mean, it was kind of a running joke because I wasn't home. Mm. There are certain sacrifices to to gain, I guess, certain rewards, you know. And those rewards feel good, they sound good, but those Emmys basically are in the basement in a closet for 10 years until my uh, daughter and son-in-law moved across the country and, you know, during the pandemic. And so they've been living with us. And they're like, what do you want to do with these? I guess I'm like, oh, I guess we'll just put them upstairs somewhere, you know. They're a remembrance of some hard work, but they're doorstops, basically. Yeah. They're never going to satisfy me. In my my weakest moments, they're not going to... They're not going to speak to me. They're not mm-hmm. going to give me strength. Mm-hmm. They're not really not going to do anything. The only person that's going to do that is Jesus mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit and the Father. Mm-hmm. It was amazing at, at Turner. I was there for 26 years. I thought I was going to be there a couple of years and go into something, do something yeah. else. Yeah. And I really believe I was able to make an impact and influence uh, while I was there. Um, you know, it's there 26 years. I want to say around year 20. Maybe like 23 is when Caleb passed away. The
0: call no parent wants to get. The reality no parent wants to face. Join us next week as Matt shares God's personal presence and provision as they navigate the tragic and untimely death of their son, Caleb. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.